Okay. The parish is Va'etchana. You see the first, the first source of Psukit. Oh, it's still, it's still a few seconds before 8 o'clock. Uh, a minute? Approximately. <laughs> Uh-huh. Which? All these psukim? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm Jewish and I live in Yerushalayim. I'm coming late, the second nature. <laughs> so I just want to stress. Okay. So it's, this, is, this is the beginning of the passion, right? This, everybody knows the passion. For some reason, the Torah said, or not, the Torah tells us that Moshe Rabbeinu daven right? Chet nun means to daven. It also means merciful, right? It's a word that's connected to mercy. I mean, all of these words are problematic. But I'm going to try to go through them to get to the words that I'm particularly interested in. Right? I'm interested in, in a particular problem about certain words. But I don't deny the fact that all of these words are difficult to understand. But what the connection is, and why Moshe Rabbeinu tells the story, and you know that the book of Devarim, the parasha of Devarim is about... Uh, Moshe Rabbeinu telling how bad the people were and the Haida Egel and, and all these things that all these things that happened. The Yekis Ben the Yekis know about on time. Eight o'clock, so it's like eight oh it's eight oh one. Okay. I can't tell the same joke every time another member of the family walks in. <laughs> So like every word, every word in this parasha is difficult. It's hard to understand the sequence. But I'm interested in a particular world, so we get to it soon. Hashem, I mean, this is like an introduction. When we daven, we do an introduction, Maitchmona Esrei. We say, okay, Abraham, okay, Yitzchak, okay, Yaakov, okay, we make an introduction. And that introduction is a sort of a statement where we say, we know who we are talking to. We know, we know that this is not regular, and we know who we are talking to. We are talking to God, and God, that means something. Okay? That's the second pasuk. And then, Moshe Rabbeinu starts with the Bakasha, and that's how it is in the Shemona Esrei, right? We start off by talking about general notions, recognizing God, and then we ask for things of a personal nature, and then we ask for things of a national nature. We say, forgive us, uh, 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 help us, bring us, cure us, and then we say, Yerushalayim, Shivat Zion, Mashiach, Melech, right? That, all of these things, that's how Shemona Esrei works. So this is how Moshe Rabbeinu doubted. Moshe Rabbeinu said, Hashem, I know where I am. I'm standing before God. And then he said, uh, no one else is like God. And then he, he, he presents his 
I'll request. So he, Moshe Rabbeinu, presents, I guess, what he thought was a reasonable request. If he didn't think it was reasonable, he wouldn't ask for it. So he thought it was reasonable. And the reasonable request was, let me go across the Jordan into Eretz Yisrael. Why he wanted to go, what it was he thought he was missing, why Moshe Rabbeinu thought that this was the time to ask. All these are questions that have been asked again and again throughout the ages. But that's what Moshe Rabbeinu said. Let me cross the Jordan. And then you have the Pasuk that we're interested in. Right? Pasuk Kavlav. Vayitaber is a funny word. A funny word means we don't usually use it in modern Hebrew, in modern conversation. Rashi says, Vayitaber Hashem. Nitmalei Chema. is are words that describe a very strong reaction. It's not just a rejection. Not that Moshe said, if he put in a petition, can I take, you know, the next plane to Yerushalayim or to Tel Aviv? No, you can't. I guess means that Moshe Rabbeinu shouldn't have asked. There was something wrong with asking the question. Then Moshe Rabbeinu goes on and he says, Hashem bi is a hard word. Because it sounds like it means for your good. But let's say it means because of you. Right? Like it's, um, you know, I can't prove it one way or the other. And I don't want to. But we'll look at Rashi. Rashi says, Lima anchem, Bishvilchem, Atem Geramtem Lik. It was your fault. This is Rashi. Rashi, this is the regular Rashi, right? There's nothing tricky here. Rashi has said this for the last thousand years. And what Rashi says is, Atem Geramtem Lik. That's what Rashi says. Now, having seen this Rashi every year of my life, because it's very likely that in doing Parashat HaShavua every week, I managed to get through three psukim. So I've seen this Rashi again and again and again. But I'm not sure that you notice that Rashi says, right, that Vayitaber Hashem bilema'anchem means that God got angry at me because of you, and therefore God said, you can't go to Eretz Yisrael. Well, we all know that the reason that Moshe Rabbeinu was not allowed to go to Eretz Yisrael was because of the hate of the maiden Meriva, when he hit the stone instead of talking to the stone. And that's when the Torah says that Moshe Rabbeinu did this tremendous transgression that he and Aaron would not be able any longer to go to Eretz Yisrael because there was an issue which the Torah describes as Kiddush Hashem versus Chilul Hashem. They could have sanctified God and they defiled God. How could they have sanctified God? They could have spoken to the rock. How did they defile God? They hit the rock. So this is also a mystery. 
This is a mystery, you know, for a thousand years, or, or two thousand years, or three thousand years. You've got to figure out what difference does it make if you hit a rock, if you talk to a rock. I mean, I mean it's, it's unlikely that if you hit the rock that water's going to come out. And why would anybody think that this was a lesser form of a miracle? Or why? You know, all of these questions, which I guess we all have heard. But here the Pasuk says that Moshe Rabbeinu is turning to the Israel and he's saying, you know, I've got, a, I've got a lot of issues here. Not only did you mess it up for yourselves, for the nation of Israel, not only are you prevented from going to Eretz Israel, but you are stopping me. You stopped me from going to Eretz Israel. This is what Rashi says. How did they do this? We don't know. But Yoma Hashem Eilai. Radlach. Alphosek Daber Eilai Oda Daber Azek. Radlach. Radlach. What's Radlach? Radlach, which might mean in Hebrew, you already have too much. Which then again might mean, look, you've been davening for all kinds of things. You know, you ask for a car, and you ask for credit cards, you ask for stock options, and you got all of that. So what do you want now as you go to Eretz Israel? What is a Ravlach? When did Moshe Rabbeinu, when did Moshe Rabbeinu daven for anything for himself? He didn't daven for children who would take over for him. He didn't daven for Parnassah that he would be able to give as a Yerushat to his children. He didn't daven to live after HaKadosh Baruch Hu said he'd have to die. But those are the things that people daven for. What's the Rav Lach? So look at Rashi. Rav Lach. Shalom Yomru. Harav Kama Kashe. Vatalmit Kama Sarban Umaktsir. Opa. Shalom Yomru Harav Kama Kashe. Vatalmit Kama Sarban Umaktsir. In other words, Rashi, according to this first interpretation, Rashi says, I can't figure out what the Pesach is talking I mean, if I, if I interpret the word Rav as much, a lot, you've gotten a lot, then I'm stuck. The only thing I can do is reinterpret the word in a way that makes no obvious sense. So I said, let's, let's restate the word Rav as being master. Right? Teacher. Leader. Well, I mean, that's a little bit far-fetched, isn't it? But, you know, far-fetched is good for developing sensitivities to the simple words in the text. If Rashi didn't understand that, so it's not so terrible. We don't understand it. We'll get back to that. We'll get back to the Rashi. Alei Rosh HaPizkav, Sainecha Yamana, Yama V'Tzafona V'Temana M'Zrafa Re'ebe Necha, Okay. Okay, so that's Moshe's Pitsui. You're not going to get what you want, but you'll get this instead. Right? So you have this conversation between HaKadosh Baruch and Moshe Rabbeinu, and the part of the conversation that I don't understand or that I want to relate to is that Moshe Rabbeinu said to HaKadosh Baruch Moshe Rabbeinu said to HaKadosh Baruch No, I'm sorry. That Moshe Rabbeinu said to B'nai Yisrael, It's your fault. It's your fault. Hashem bi lima'anchem velo shama elai lima'anchem bishvilchem because of you I can't go into Eretz Israel how did Moshe Rabbeinu how did Moshe Rabbeinu say such a thing which we know or it seems to us based on our learning of the Chumash is incorrect the second source is in Tavarim Perek Dalit 
again Moshe Rabbeinu tells the story, the same story. Vashem hitanach bi al divrechem. Hitanach, anger. Rashi says, mitmalei rogis. Now you see Rashi is cute, that the Chumash changed the verb, so Rashi changes the verb, you know, I, I, I like that. I, do I understand? Is there, there's a chema and roges? We'll have to add some Kabbalists. They probably know. But you see, Rashi is like maintaining for us a sensitivity, which is that the Torah changed the use of the, of the verb. First the Torah says, as Moshe Rabbeinu says, Vayitaber Hashem bi lemanchem. And then Moshe Rabbeinu says, Vashem yitanat. The first time Rashi says filled with anger and the second time Rashi says which means to be filled with anger. What's the difference in Chema and Roges? I don't know. Which is a little bit clearer but still we don't know what it's talking about. On that which you said. God was angry at me because of what you said. What? What's he talking about? Rashi, al odotechem, al iskechem. I mean, it's hard to say anything more general than that. But God was angry with me because of the way you were, because of the way you acted, because of the way you deployed yourself. But what way? That's what we want to know. Rashi doesn't tell us. Rashi doesn't tell us, either because Rashi's not sure, Rashi doesn't know, Rashi doesn't want to tell us, Rashi thinks we should work harder to find out on our own, I don't know. But it's definitely not there. It's not there. ends with this personal complaint. Look what you did, it's because of you. You are going to Eretz Yisrael, I'm not going to Eretz Yisrael. I have this kveda on you, right? You're the ones who are responsible. You did it. You did it, and I want you to know that I know that you did it. Okay, let's look, skip the next one, and go to Dvarim Perik Aleph, Pasuk Lamed Chet. Dvarim Perik Aleph, Pasuk Lamed Chet, is last week's parasha. But we did Dvarim and now we're doing, now we're doing Dvarim. Right, Dvarim Perik Aleph, Pasuk Lamed Chet. Right? Rashi doesn't say anything. Rashi's comments are all in the parasha of Etchanan. But we agree that Rashi's comments are not clarifying. They don't help us to understand what we want to understand, and that is what was Moshe Rabbeinu talking about. As far as we know, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't go there to Israel because something he heeded. And because it was something that he did, we always, we asked, how come he davened, how come he asked, I mean, didn't Moshe Rabbeinu know, and didn't he know that he was, that God's word was the final word, and even though he, Moshe Rabbeinu could be the defense of turning to Am Yisrael, but that's because it was his job, but he wasn't the defense attorney for Moshe Rabbeinu, why did he think he would be able to make the argument that it would be, uh, that it would be listened to, I mean, the whole thing, the whole story defies any understanding on a basic level that we might have. Now let's look at three Mephoshim. The first is the Ramban, and the second is uh, <coughs> the second is the Arachayim, 
and the third is the Chida. Right? Three Mephoshim. All of whom were Zionists. Right? The Ramban, the Ramban, as you know, moved to Eretz Yisrael. The Arachayim moved to Eretz Yisrael from Morocco. And uh, the Chida, who was born in Eretz Yisrael and traveled around the world, but basically considered himself to be a Ish um, Yerushalayim, a, um, a man of Yerushalayim, the Chidah. The Chidah was also a Talmud of the Orachim for a short time. And the Orachim came down to Israel and then finally ended up in Yerushalayim. And in Yerushalayim, the Chidah was a Talmud of the, of the Orachim. It's hard to know. The Orachim, you know, is the only one of the few people in Jewish history who's called HaKadosh. I mean, the Jews call him HaKadosh. And while it may be true that, uh, that is, this is not necessarily a scientific or rational assessment, it's also true that most of the people in this room are not called HaKadosh. <laughs> right? So that, you know, it may not mean what it might mean, but it definitely means something. Right? What? So this is what the Ramban says. Yomar. You see the Ramban? We'll read it a little together. Yomar inechata techem ashaasitim eidahimim raglim manumikem aaretzatova. Okay, great. Because of what you did with the miraglim, you said you don't want to go to Eretz Yisrael, so you couldn't go to Eretz Yisrael. Vodo saftim lachto bepamacher. And so the Ramban says, and then what happened? What happened? You that wasn't the end, even though that should have been, like should have made you all into righteous people. But it didn't. You continued to sin. Ad Shemanachem Gam Oti Nila Avot. The Ramban's restatement of what Moshe Rabbeinu said. You did what you did. And because of what you did in the Miraglim, you weren't allowed to go to Eretz Israel. And because you didn't stop. You kept on sinning. You caused me not to go to Eretz Israel. So this is like the Rabban fleshing out the Pasuk, like making it into like sentences. But we still don't understand. I mean, so, so what's he talking about? What, according to the Rabban, is Moshe Rabbeinu talking about? Even though now I have a nice sentence, right? It's got a sentence. It makes sense as a sentence. But it doesn't make sense in the context that I know about she said, this is Moshe Rabbeinu had this idea about Musa. You know, the Ramban, I told you last week that the Ramban had this idea that Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to give Musa, and it wasn't clear why he wanted to. The Ramban had a theory that Moshe Rabbeinu gave Musa to B'nai Yisrael in order to tell them the following. It was the, the people weren't sure that, they, that going to Eretz Yisrael would be successful. They said, until now, everything we did was, met, was a mess. But we got the Torah, we, built the, we made the ego. We were supposed to go to Eretz Yisrael, and there was the Miraglin. So how do we know that when we go to Eretz Yisrael, something's going to get better? So Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to give them a little bit of optimism, make them feel good. So he said, he said to them, look at you, you built the, you made the ego. Look at you, you, you followed the miraculous. But you're still here. God is still with you. So that was the optimistic point of the Musa. Not that you're bad, but look, you know, God is apparently willing to put up with you. 
And if God is willing to put up with you, then uh, then great. So now, let's go on. He wanted to mention all the people together who are not going to go to Eretz Israel. Because it all comes from transgression. In other words, the real topic is Yoshua Benun, in other words, it's not exactly somehow he's trying to say that Moshe Rabbeinu and Benazor were in the same boat. And that boat is the boat of people who are not going to Eretz Israel. And he mentioned that as an introduction to talking about Yoshua Benun. Who would lead the, uh, the people to Eretz Israel? Well, we still don't know. We still don't have an answer to our question. So like he sort of says, he sort of says, well, you know, he wanted to say something. He wanted to say that there are people who are not going to Eretz Israel. But he didn't want to talk about individuals. He didn't want to talk about what you did and what he did and what that one did. So he sort of put it all in, in one container. And therefore he put himself in the same container as B'nai Israel as the people who are not going to Eretz Israel. That's one thing the Ramban said. But that doesn't answer our question. That's very nice, but doesn't answer our question. Here the Rabban says, Big Lal Chetam, Big Lal Chem, Big Lal Chem. Look up again, you see the Pesach? In Perak Aleph, Gambi Hitanaf Hashem, Big Lal Chem. What does Big Lal Chem mean? Because of you. Because of you. Because of you, to the modern mind, means causality. Right? You did it, it affected me. That's what Big Lal Chem means. I, maybe in some other society or world, it means something else. But for us, that's what it means. What's the big lal chet? So listen to the Ramban. Ki rabu b'nei, rabu, rabu, rabu to, like, fight. B'nei Yisrael et Hashem v'gomer. V'irat chozeh b'avu merivatchem. Az yermos. Shaya kaz al Moshe. But this is a good idea. Are you ready? Are you with me? I'm in, um, like, five lines from the bottom. Four, five, six, seven. Tam big lal chet. Right? Seven lines from the bottom on this, uh, on this side of the page. Kirabu b'nei Yisrael et Hashem. Okay. Everything that happened is because of that. Because you were fighting with God. Oh, your mouths. Shayaha ka'as. Al Moshe al Aharon. Kashei kwa selaf amar. Lefnei ha'am. Velo atzu kashei nitztavu. Va'am hirheru badavar. Listen, from the Ramban. What is it that Moshe and Aaron did wrong when they hit the rock and didn't speak to it? Chilol, Chilol Hashem, which is the opposite of Kiddush Hashem. Now, you could say, I mean, when I in the parish of Balok, or in the Wawa parish, you say, what's the Chilol Hashem? Right, what's the Chilol Hashem? Miraculous, he got water out of the rock. Who says the Chilol Hashem? Where's the Chilol Hashem? So the Ramban says. The Ramban says in a way that is interesting. He says, he says this. Five lines from the bottom. The last two words on the line. Ve'ha'am heru You know heru? Like that's a word that's used for Talmud Torah. 
Right? You know, the Shukhan Aruch, they ask, like, what about Herur? Is Herur good enough? Or do you need, like, really to learn? Herubadavah. But it says, B'nai Yisrael thought about what they saw. What they saw. V'hu Masha Amar, Al Asher Lo Kiddash Lemoti B'toch B'nai Yisrael, Shelo Haya Onesh Ela B'nai Shaya Dava B'toch B'nai Yisrael, Shelo Nekadesh HaKavod Ifnechem, V'chein Amar B'sifre, that is to say, what happened after Moshe Rabbeinu hit the rock? So they could say two things. They could say, wow, hit the rock, he got water. You know, that's great. I'm with Moshe Rabbeinu. Whatever Moshe Rabbeinu says, I'm with him. Or they could have said, God said to Moshe Rabbeinu, talk to the rock. Moshe Rabbeinu went and he hit the rock. So I don't have to listen so much. You see, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't listen. So I also not going to listen. So when was the Chilol Hashem? Um, even though the Pesach in the Torah says right away that Moshe Rabbeinu is to be punished, but actually, when was the Chilol Hashem of Moshe Rabbeinu? When was it? The next time that B'nai Israel did something wrong. So that means that the way the Rabban understands it is that this argument or this statement of the Rebbeinu Shalom to Moshe Rabbeinu was... Look, it's a Chilol Hashem, and you're going to be punished. But in order for the punishment to come on Moshe Rabbeinu, what had to happen? There had to be an actualization of the Chilol Hashem. And what's the actualization of the Chilol Hashem? The people that the Jews are going to be influenced by Moshe Rabbeinu, what Moshe Rabbeinu did, and they're also going to do an Abeyu. They'll do an Abeyu. So that when Moshe Rabbeinu says, Biglalchem, according to the Ramban, what does he mean? He means, look, it's true, I did it. I'm punished for what I did. But what I did was conditional on what you did. If you would have been the same, if you would have listened to everything I said for the last 38 years, if you would have followed my directions and not been nudnikim, no, you had to take one little, one little deviation by Moshe Rabbeinu and make that into a great theology. And based on that, you're going to do our favors? So Moshe Rabbeinu said, Big Lau, that the punishment that Moshe Rabbeinu received was dependent on B'nai Yisrael because the Chilul Hashem that Moshe Rabbeinu created in the world had to be validated, had to be verified. And the verification of that Chilul Hashem was the continued transgression of Am Yisrael. Yes? Isn't that assuming that the people heard God tell Moshe I guess. Okay. I don't know. But that's what the Ramban says. That's what the Ramban says. The Ramban wants to connect somehow what B'nai Israel did to the punishment of Moshe Rabbeinu, and therefore he straightens out all of the things, all of these psukim. Moshe Rabbeinu said it because it was true. That even though he was being punished for what he did, the nature of his transgression will only become apparent when B'nai Israel do whatever B'nai Israel will do. That's the Rambach. Now comes the Arachayim. The Arachayim. The Arachayim says this. The Arachayim says this. Hashem. He says he doesn't get it. He doesn't know what Moshe Rabbeinu is talking about. We don't have any record of God's anger at Moshe Rabbeinu because of the Chet HaMaragli. 
because of the spies. God was angry at Moshe Rabbeinu because of the fact that he hit the stone instead of speaking to him. So this you have the whole time in one sort of a half a line summarizing the whole Ramban. And the Ramban says that God was angry at me, Moshe Rabbeinu, because of what you did later on, because that indicated that you were kind of influenced by what I did. But you know, the Ramban says this: near in. So he says, how could that be? If I read this parsha, Perak Aleph, right, the Perak Aleph of Tzvarim, I see that Moshe Rabbeinu keeps telling the story of the Meraglim. Even though he said that God did it big Chem, he does not continue to discuss some other transgression that they did after the hate of Meraglim, but he keeps talking about the Meraglim all the time. Elit sounds like it was a joke. Like the, he thought that this business the Ramban said that Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to include all the people who were not going to Eretz Israel together. He didn't. Uh, he didn't think that this was a serious. That this was a serious cut. So the Ram, the Orchayim has a real criticism. And his real criticism is that according to the Ramban, Moshe Rabbeinu should have, after talking about the Miraglim, should have talked about some subsequent transgression which then caused Moshe Rabbeinu to receive his punishment. But in Devar and Perak Aleph, Moshe Rabbeinu continues to talk about the Chet HaMiraglim. To talk about the Chet HaMiraglim. So he, like, you know, He's finished with the Ramban. Even though we know that the Ramban was a Risha, and we know that the uh, that the Arachayim was not. <laughs> the Arachayim the Arachayim lived in the beginning at the end of the 17th century, the beginning of the 18th century. Right? I looked it up. It says here on my, pa- my piece of paper, he was born in 1696 in Morocco, and he died in 1743. And I got this on Wikipedia, and they never lie. <laughs> They're often wrong, but they never lie. Anyway, I don't know, I don't know. That's what it says. That's what it says. That's what they said. So the Archaim, the Archaim, you know, like he, he said, look, the Rabban, good try, but it doesn't make sense. Now, he gives it a try. Hanachon hu, apitivrehem zao, sha'amru, bapasuk ve'ikua malayla. Right, there's a posuk, ve'ikua malayla, remember that posuk? Stishabal. That was the layla. Kav'u v'chia ledorot. Kilel Tisha Ba'av Haita Shabon Dechirabapai. Tisha Ba'av. To the best of my recollection, two days ago. Right, Tisha Ba'av. It's an annual event based on 
This is what Chazal said. They say there's a... Like there are different forces at work. There are different issues about Moshe Rabbeinu going to Eretz Yisrael. And of course, if Moshe Rabbeinu should have gone to Eretz Yisrael, they had something to do there. That's really what the Archaim is like annoyed about. He says, Moshe Rabbeinu was after all Moshe Rabbeinu. And if Moshe Rabbeinu should have gone to Eretz Yisrael, he would have gone to Eretz Yisrael. And if Moshe Rabbeinu shouldn't have gone to Eretz Yisrael, was he hanging at Chinik and Davening, then he wants to go to Eretz Yisrael. There's got to be some, you know, Moshe Rabbeinu was, was a public servant. And his service had no retirement clause. He was Moshe Rabbeinu. And Moshe Rabbeinu was going to do what Moshe Rabbeinu had to do. And what Moshe Rabbeinu had to do was serve the Jewish people. That's what he had to do. And if he had a job to do in Eretz Israel, he would have gone to Eretz Israel. If Moshe Rabbeinu should have been punished, if Moshe Rabbeinu had to be punished for what he did, so he'd be punished. He gets harassed, he gets harassed, he's a backhole hurt, he'll have a limp, he'll feel old. But what's it got to do with Eretz Israel? According to the, the Archai. The Archai says, that Eretz Yisrael vis-a-vis Moshe Rabbeinu has to do with a job. Is he supposed to be there? He'll go there. Is he supposed to be punished? Okay, why would his punishment have anything to do with Eretz Yisrael? That was this whole idea that comes from the Medjish, also the Sifra, that Moshe Rabbeinu was going to go to Eretz Yisrael as a tourist. You know, like he'd go and do Mitzvah, that would Ba'aretz, and he'd go and learn Torah, he'd be the old age home in, in Eretz Yisrael. So the Orchim says, this is not possible. Because Moshe Rabbeinu did not exist in retirement. There was no such thing. Once Moshe Rabbeinu gave up the reins of leadership of Eretz Yisrael, he died. Because that was him, his whole persona. He wasn't like a job. He wasn't, you know, the, the chairman of the board. He was Moshe Rabbeinu. That's what he was. So the question about going to Eretz Yisrael is, did he have a job to do in Eretz Yisrael? And so he quotes a Chazal that says something very interesting. And it says that had he gone to Eretz Yisrael, he, Moshe Rabbeinu, gone to Eretz Yisrael and built the Beit HaMikdash, then the Beit HaMikdash would never have been destroyed. So that there's a tension between the creation of Am Yisrael in the desert. What did they create? What did, what did Am Yisrael create in the desert? What? Tisha B'Av. No, they created Tisha B'Av, right? What's Tisha B'Av? What? But, okay, that's a two-step step. Tisha B'Av is that the Beit HaMikdash is not forever. And if the Beit HaMikdash is not for this attention, either Tisha B'Av is going to win or Moshe Rabbeinu is going to win. If Moshe Rabbeinu goes to Eretz Yisrael, so then the Beit HaMikdash will be forever. And there won't be Tisha B'Av. If Tisha B'Av wins, then Moshe Rabbeinu can't go to Eretz Yisrael to be Moshe Rabbeinu. To be Moshe Rabbeinu, that's what the Archive said. Okay, it took me a little longer to say it than it took him to say it. But that's the idea. That's the idea. So here, Allah comes, Allah comes the Archive, and says that B'nai Yisrael created Tisha B'Av. And why couldn't Moshe Rabbeinu go to Eretz Yisrael? Because they made Tisha B'Av. And since they made Tisha B'Av, the Beit HaMikdash was going to be destroyed. And the Beit HaMikdash was going to be destroyed. And Moshe Rabbeinu could not be responsible for building the Beit HaMikdash because the Beit HaMikdash that he would build would never be destroyed. 
So what is Biglal Chem? What is Biglal Chem? According to the Archaim, that you, B'nai Yisrael, by doing what you did, which was to cry, when the Baraglim came back with their information about Eretz Yisrael, was denying me the opportunity to finish my life as Moshe Rabbeinu. To do what only Moshe Rabbeinu could do. That's the Biglal Chem. That's what the Viet Aber Hashem Bildachem. What meant the Kadosh Baruch Hu said, "You Moshe Rabbeinu are not able to do what you're supposed to do." It's that Am Yisrael is no longer worthy of getting the Beit Hamikdash that you Moshe Rabbeinu would build for them. And we know that in history, building the Beit Hamikdash became the most difficult enterprise of the Jewish people, and for some reason, it was. It took 400 years until the Beit HaMikdash was finally completed by Shlomo HaMelech. Right? And that Beit HaMikdash was within the context of Tish Abba. There was always, according to this way of looking at history, there was always Tish Abba before the Chorban Abayat. But it was known. It was going to happen. Right? It was going to be. Uh, this Tish Abba was going to be. So again, he says, What? He doesn't have he Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't have perfection. Right. No, no, look, I, I don't I don't I don't about perfection, but if Moshe Rabbeinu transgressed, so he deserves to be punished. But that doesn't mean that he deserves to be fired. He can or he can't. I know, so the Archaim doesn't look at it. That's how you look at it. It could be. But the Archaim doesn't look at it. The Archaim says that Moshe Rabbeinu, the, the ups and the downs and the changes and the the better and the worse doesn't change but one iota the tafkid or the purpose of Moshe Rabbein. His purpose remains the same, to tell the Jews out of the tribe, to make sure they get the Torah, to bring them to Eretz Israel, to build the Beit HaMikdash. That's the purpose of Moshe Rabbein. What changed that was the fact that the Beit HaMikdash was no longer possible because of the status of the Day Israel. That's what that's what the Archive thinks. You could say it differently. I don't know. No, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm arguing, but this is, a, I mean, a conception. I mean, you could say fakir. You could always say fakir. This is the. This is what the Archive says. What? Uh, okay, but is it, is, you hear it. He said that. Okay, let's get to it. He says miata. Okay. Before that, Vamru, Shemayadhas Moshe Laaris, we have Bona Beta Mikdash, Loya Bayas Nefrah, Shain Umad Lashon Nagadvo, Vamru Old, Pasuk Bizbola Sakal Gimbal Goyim, Bizelishonam, Kina, Bibayale, Ella Alsha Shlich Hamato Al Eight Sigma Avane. Alright, if that's fine, okay. Let's I mean, but the idea is the idea, right? I mean, it was for the good of the Israel, it was for the bad of Moshe Rabbeinu, but there was some impediment 
that was preventing Moshe Rabbeinu to go into Eretz Yisrael and to continue the Gula, the process of Gula. And that impediment, according to these Psukim, came from Bnei Yisrael. Who was the good of Bnei Yisrael, so the good of Moshe Rabbeinu. Right, so it's like an interesting, interesting side question. Now, the next paragraph, Matah. So that Moshe Rabbeinu had to pay the price of not creating an untenable situation in Eretz Israel, where the Bnei Israel would not be able to be punished for what they did for their wrongdoing. And that's all. And that's what Moshe Rabbeinu meant when he said, Gan v'hidana v'shem miglalchem. Okay. They would be able to be punished. What? Who would be able to be punished the Israel in Israel and not destroy the Israel. This way, instead of punishing the Israel, destroy the Israel. That's what he said. What do you think? No, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's certainly correct. It's certainly correct. In other words, there would be a, a, a plot. There would be some sort of a, like a bomb that would have to go off someplace. So instead of destroying the base of Hidash, it would destroy B'nai Yisrael. So that destroying the base of Hidash is like a it's like a suppository. You know, it makes everything easier. Okay, okay, we've got it. We've got it. So wait, 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 wait a second. So everybody agrees. Bilal means because of the day Israel. It was either because they caused something to happen that Moshe Rabbeinu was no longer able to function as the builder of the Beit HaMikdash because they didn't believe it or they didn't deserve it or Bilkalachem means that in order to save you at a later date Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't build the Beit HaMikdash which would be immutable which would then cause tremendous havoc and destruction on the day Israel but also ideologically I think it's even more than that, Ben Zion. It's on account of the Beit HaMikdash Oh, but also if the Beit HaMikdash that is destroyed it's not the Beit HaMikdash that couldn't be destroyed, then theologically we will recover. We'll figure out something. We'll learn Torah. Well, 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 David three times a day. We'll shuckle. We'll do something. We'll say, we'll say we can, we can do Zet Murad Zet. That's after all, that's all our theology. As much as theology as we have, right? There's a Gemara. The Gemara says, don't call them, tell me. Say the parish of Tomid in the morning. Right, Mincha, say the parasha of Mincha in the morning. That you could only do because the Beit HaMikdash was not built by Moshe Rabbeinu. If the Beit HaMikdash had been built by Moshe Rabbeinu, there'd be no replacing it. I mean, like the punishment would have to be done, but, but the whole theology, our theology, which is, which is, like, you know, in order to say, Palapatish, we're okay. That's our theology. Okay, we don't have the Beit HaMikdash, but we're okay. We don't give Korbanos. But, but we're okay. Okay, there's a lot of the Chumash says you should give Korbanah. Someday we'll give Korbanah. But right now, we're okay. 
Right? This, that's, how, that's how we live. So this is all connected to that idea. Right, this idea that you could be okay without the Beit HaMikdash. I could be okay without the Beit HaMikdash because it's not the real Beit HaMikdash. Where's the real Beit HaMikdash? Oh, that's Moshe Rabbeinu's Beit HaMikdash. Where's that? Bashamai. Bashamai. What does Rashi say in Sukkot? Rashi says, the Bayit HaShlishi. Rashi says, Rashi, the Bayit HaShlishi is going to come down like a sound and light show from heaven. It will come down Right, with whistles and lights, and it just comes out from heaven and be planted. That's the real Beit HaMikdash. The, the not real Beit HaMikdash is the one that you have to build. Right, you have to take stones and mortar and build. And, you know, that you get all kinds of, all kinds of bad guys can get involved in that. Right, in building it and making money from it. You know, people put in turnstiles and they say, you know, you have to pay to go in, you have to pay to go out. That's the Beit HaMikdash. Now let's look what the Hidah says. The Chidah. The Chidah, the two parts. The first part I'm not going to learn. The second part, I, 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 I didn't even want it to, to print it, but you can learn it. This is taken from a book. There's Torah Chidah, that somebody put together all the Chidah on Chumash. The Chidah wrote many, many different books. Many books, many of them on the Chumash, in Parashat the Shavua. And somebody went and put them all together in a kind of a compendium on Parashat the Shavua. Do you see that? That uh, second paragraph, right? The Chida, the second paragraph. He wrote this book called Rosh David. His name was Chaim Yosef David Azulai. So he could write books with the name Chaim in it, with the name Yosef in it, with the name David in it. He was a great grandson of Rav Avram Azulai, one of the great. Kabbalists who lived in Yerushalayim, I think, and he learned what? Where? A Hebron, I'm sorry, they all lived in Hebron. He learned though in Beitel, is that possible? I think in Beitel. Which is Yeshiva that still exists, that's why I mean, uh, mentioned. Rosh David, Prashat Kar, Misham, Misham Rabbi Yerushalayim. But he heard this, this Dar Torah. In Yerushalayim, because not pasuk parashat shelach begzerat amradim upigreichem atem yiplu b'midbar. See, if you turn the page, you see in the pasuk in the third section, b'midbar perik yudal the pasuk l'amitzayit. It says pigreichem atem yiplu b'midbar hazeh. Pigreichem like your Cadavers, your dead bodies, will fall the midbar. So the nechem you roll in the midbar by imshana, v'nasu etznutechem atom pigrechem by midbar. So this is a description of the punishment that the Yisrael received after the chetam raglim, forty years in the desert. They'll die. They'll all die there. V'mispar hayamim asher tarkan et haaretz arba'im yom yom mishana. Yom Mishanat is Uet Abonatechem Abaim Shanat Vidatem et Snuati. Okay? 40 days, 40 years, that's the punishment. Ani Hashem Bibarati, in Lozo de Esel, Kol Haida, Hara'a, Hazot, and Noradim, Alabi, Tibarazet, Yitamu. Visham Yamutu. Yitamu means, will come to an end. Visham Yamutu, there they will die. Is there a difference between coming to an end and dying? 
But you know that often the Torah says things twice, but it could say once. And we say, when we come up to that problem and some little kid in class says, why? So we say emphasis. Emphasis is a synonym for I don't know. <laughs> because you know that the Torah says, Sakol ye sakel o yaro ye are. And if somebody asks you, what's the difference between Sakol and Sakol ye sakel? It would seem that you'd be pretty dead in either, either case. So you say emphasis. But since we don't want our children to grow up with any doubts, we say emphasis. And if we would tell, tell them the truth, which is that you don't know, they might all become yeshiva students. <laughs> but they don't, because we keep telling them we know them. So this is what it says. So that's the psuki, right? It says, Pigrechem Atem, which is a funny kind of combination of words, the kind that you might find in Kohelet, but not in the Chumash. And at the end it says, Yitamu Visham Yamutu. Yitamu, so let's go back to the Chida. So the Chida says this, Pigrechem Atem, Yitmu Bamidbar, Ani Hashem Dibarti Lozo Deheseh, Bamidbar Hase Yitamu Visham Yamutu. That's what the Pesukim say about in the punishment. When God describes the punishment to B'nai Yisrael. That's Moshe and Aaron. Not B'nai Yisrael. But Ezra Abadah. But this is Moshe and Aaron. Amar, upigrechem atem, Moshe va'aron yiflu. Bimlozo de'eseh shegam atem, tistalku ba'midbar. In pain, tiyeh ha'gzerah ba'midbar hazeh, yitamu ba'olam hazeh sham yamutu, la'olam haba. So now again, he assumes a kind of parashanut, everybody would say it's okay. Right, yitamu v'sham yamutu. How could you die twice? How could a Jew die twice? There's Olam Hazeh and Olam Abad. Everybody, everybody will go for that. Right? That's something that we all understand. So Moshe Aaron, so he says, he says this. He says a good book. He says, Latin Lavoz, I'm sorry. If Kate, Yegze Rabbin Barze Itamu, Olam Hazeh, Bisham Yamutu, Olam Abad. Aval Al Yedezesh, Atem, the Yuimahem. And by in Latin Lavoz. So he says, he says, this is what they said in Yerushalayim. In Yerushalayim they said that the punishment for the Chet HaMeraglin was Yitamu V'sham Yamutu. Meaning, Ba'olam Hazeh U'ba'olam Haba. U'ba'olam Haba. That this was the original conception HaKadosh Baruch said if we include Moshe the Arab in the punishment of the Meraglim, then what will happen? There'll only be Yitamu Bolam Hazeh, but the punishment will not include Yisham Yamutu Bolam And therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu said to B'nai Yisrael, you know why Moshe and I, why Aaron and I have to die in the desert? 
For you, for your good, in order that you should be able to get into Allah Rabba. What's the big problem? Because you did that. Avera, the Avera, rejecting Eretz Yisrael was so great that there was no way to save you unless I, Moshe, and my brother Aaron would also die in the desert. And somehow, right, somehow, uh, we would then be able to save you. The last words. So here's the last act. Moshe Rabbeinu was doing for B'nai Israel. His death is for them. He could go to Eretz Israel, but if he went to Eretz Israel, they would be denied access to Olam Hazeh and to Olam Haba. That's pretty good, huh? Right? That's not like a regular commentary. If some like modern rabbi said that, I would be annoyed. But okay, but it's the chida. How could you get annoyed? That the whole memory issue is nothing. It was just a kind of a put-up job. Because HaKadosh Baruch didn't want to say that Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron were going to die for no reason at all. I mean, no, no ill on their side. So they, there was a contrivance. And that contrivance is called memory But why really did they die? In order to grant this schut. It ought to be this good to be in Israel. Avaykar, Belvad, Ayab, Begrachem, Lemor, Bavur, Amirah. Shami Amutu, Gazar, Gam, Atem, Lerabot, Aaron, Lotavosham. When in Sad, the Yafet, the Berkatu, who is Manodiver, Kimidoa, the Dokitev. So, the problem we all agree exists. How did Moshe Rabbeinu say it was your fault to be in Israel? And the various explanations are based on understandings that existed amongst the, the language that the Jews spoke, like the language of Olam Hazeh and Olam Abba, the language, the theological issue of somehow coming to grips, and that's what the time does with the fact that the place of HaKadosh Baruch or the Mokhub HaMikdash, you know, that's what, that's what Megillat Eicha is about. Not about how is it that B'nai Yisrael was punished. That seems perfectly reasonable. But how could it be that HaKadosh Baruch would abandon his place, so to speak? There was how did B'nai Yisrael turn the world around, turn the world upside down, that the place of HaKadosh Baruch would be defiled and HaKadosh Baruch somehow Kaviyahu would have to run away from his own place. That was a theological conundrum that was answered in different ways. And so we see one of the ways is that the Beit HaMikdash was not the real Beit HaMikdash. It wasn't the hoped for Beit HaMikdash. It wasn't what was going to be. And the Bayit HaShlishi, that's the Bayit HaRishon. And the Bayit HaRishon was only a pale a reflection of what the Bible is shown might have been. And when Chazal said that B'nai Yisrael, by crying on the night that the Brahmin came back there into Israel, created Tishabov, it means that it was created. And that it was going to be. There was no doubt that it was going to be. So that when the Beit HaMikdash was built by Shlomo Melech, and Akash Shlomo Melech made that famous 
tefillah, allowing the Beit HaMikdash to be the home of the Rebbein Shalom, it was already known that that home would be destroyed and the Beit HaMikdash would ultimately have to be built as the Beit HaMikdash of the dream of Moshe Rabbeinu that he wouldn't be able to, to rebuild it. That's why Rashi, who, uh, who uh, resists hyperbole generally in his commentary on Shas, puts in this comment, this Medrashic comment, that the Beit HaMikdash will come, the third Beit HaMikdash will come down from heaven fully formed. It'll be a finished, it'll be a finished building. Because somehow the Beit HaMikdash that we could build, that B'nai Yisrael could build, would necessarily be flawed, flawed. And the Beit HaMikdash that is hoped for is the Beit HaMikdash that had to be built originally. So that's why that's why Tishabab, right, the, the Novi says that it'll be, Tishabab will turn into a Moed. Right, that's why we don't say Slichas on Tishabab, we don't say Avinu Malkeinu on Tishabab, because it has this element of a fixable. It's fixable. Why is it fixable? Because it was never what it should have been. Right? And since it never was what it should have been, our destruction was a destruction of something that was less than what it might have been, and from that derives the hope that it might be uh, that the Beit HaMikdash might be rebuilt again. Have a good shot.